Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning back in and joining me in the endless game of Jumanji. That is the year of our Lord 2020. Um, How's everybody holding up? <laughs> we all good? We're all still here? We're all still trying to make it? I know I am. Um, but I'm grateful to have you guys joining me back on the show. Or if if you're a first time listener, welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, you will see the how 2020 is literally Jumanji. Um, so last week we talked about the film Us Kids. I got to uh, interview Kim Snyder, the award-winning director of that film, um, we had a really great talk about the synergies between the March for Our Lives uh, movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and why this film is so timely, despite the fact that it, you know, it chronicles over t- a two year span, which when you think about 2018 and 2019, how they like almost have very little to do with 2020. Um, but how timely and how prolific and how prophetic that film is. Um, so I encourage you all to see it. It should be dropping in October, I believe. Um, I encourage you all to see it. Another film that I encourage you all to see, which drops tomorrow, is All In. It's Stacey Abrams' uh, documentary about voter suppression and how a system that was supposed to be built with fail-safes constantly fails the American people, specifically people of color and those who are typically disenfranchised. So yeah, that's going to be super interesting. Um, I can't wait to see that. Uh, Depending upon when you're listening to it, like I said, it drops on September 18th. Um, So if you guys want to watch it, you can. Um, It should be available by the time you're listening to this. If not, then hang tight because it will be. Um, at Amazon Studios, I believe. It's an Amazon Studios film. But yeah, that was last week. This week we have a whole batch of uh, new crazy to talk about. Um, If you can't tell, I am very pregnant. And it is, at this point in the day, it's usually when things get a little uncomfortable. So pardon me if I sound like I'm a little out of breath or (laughs) tired um, we have reached the seven month mark. We have reached week 32. We are getting closer to due date. So the nugget will be here shortly. Woke baby will be here soon. Um, not too soon, hopefully, but soon enough. And so, yeah, so mama has to adjust every now and then get a little more comfy, get them a little more cozy. Um, I don't think that bothers any of you. And if it does, this is the wrong podcast because we're very transparent here. So, um, yeah. But with all of that said, let's get into the show. Let's get into some church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the reclaim say amen. Glad to be here. Say amen again. And say amen one more time if you really like the show. We glad that y'all here today and these will be your church 
announcements. Alrighty, who's ready for some church announcements? These come with a little bit of extra spice because I'm feeling it today. So let's start with the nicest one. Um, Justin Trudeau, uh, Prime Minister of Canada, last week announced a new national program that will deliver public and private funding for black entrepreneurs and black owned businesses in Canada. He calls it he calls the program that was recently created a step towards addressing systemic racism in Canada. And all the black people in America were just like, whoa, (laughs) first of all, that's so nice. It's so nice to have somebody actually want to address it. Secondly, there's racism in Canada. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. It's just something that you don't really hear about, you know, when you live in the hotbed of a country that was literally created off of the back of your ancestors. But I digress. Shout out to Canada. Um, I'm learning more and more about the problems with Canada because I swore, I swore. I'm like, if things go wrong here, I can always go to Canada. Well, maybe not. (laughs) because it could be just America light. So we'll see. But shout out to Justin. Shout out to that program. Shout out to all the people who are benefiting from it. All right. A new survey of Americans between the ages of 18 and 39 has found out that 23% of respondents say that they believe the Holocaust was a myth. 23%. 23 percent of the respondents believe the Holocaust was a myth or has been exaggerated, um, just grossly exaggerated, which if you read Night or The Diary of Anne Frank or any one of those types of books that we all were exposed to, um, I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how you would even think that it was a a myth or a hoax or was greatly exaggerated. It's the flipping Holocaust. Worse, worse even. 63% of the respondents didn't know that 6 million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust. 11 million people died in total. 6 million of them were Jewish. But how do we not know this? I feel like it was like drilled into my head. Like... Yeah, like pretty early on, like primary school. How do we not know this? This is, see, this is why we we have to stop defunding education. (laughs) We can defund other things, things that aren't working, things that are just causing weekly constant violence against our people and, you know, have roots in, you know, slavery and has been shown to not work in communities. But education is not one of those things. <laughs> and this is why we need to fund, refund education, not defund, refund education. Um, but you'll never see anyone from the opposite side of the aisle waving a sign that says that. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is where it starts to get spicy. Can we stop talking about Kanye West? Can we please put Kanye West on the sick and shut-in list. I was scrolling through Twitter earlier today, minding my own, um, on a random, I think I was having lunch or whatever, and I saw three different stories about Kanye West. And yes, Kanye West gets clicks, just like 
the Kardashians get clicks, just like the Jenners get clicks, just like the Hadids get clicks. I, I get it. I understand they want clicks. They want people to come to their website. Totally understand that. That being said, that man is going through a mental health episode. He's going through a mental health episode. There were three different stories on this man, including one of them from an Instagram post that he shared where he appears to be urinating on his Grammy. Yeah, Uh, we're going to put him on the second and shut in list because he's going through something. And anyone who has had any experience with any mental health issues or has their own mental health issues would understand that the last thing you want is for your episodes, your issues, and those big events that happen to get amplified for the public. Like, I believe he called himself Little Putin at some point. Like, it was a lot of things. People are still talking about his his run at presidency. It's a lot. That man needs to be put on the sick and shut in. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. So your president finally decided to drag himself out to California because you know he was dragging his feet because California supposedly didn't vote for him. Um, but since that whole side of the United States is on fire <laughs> with some of the worst air quality in the world right now because there's so much fire... He finally decided to be presidential, I guess, and drag himself out there to discuss with the people what to do, which was really funny because he then said that he was blaming the forest fires on poor forest management, which (laughs) he was corrected quickly by Governor Newsom, Gavin Newsom, that 57% of the lands that are on fire right now are under our federal lands. So it's like, okay, well, if it's poor management, who's managing it? Hmm. Over half of the lands that are on fire right now are on federal land. So what are you, what are you, what are you talking about here, bro? <laughs> Again, stop defunding forest management pro- um, programs. See? See how simple it is? There's so many things that can actually benefit from our funding and so many things that don't. A militarized police force is one of them. Uh, Hate groups, all those things. So, yeah, he finally drags himself out there. And he has the audacity to look in the face of people who have studied. And we've seen him do this before because we've seen him do this with Dr. Fauci, uh, the world's foremost voice in pandemics and epidemics and so we've seen him look in the face of experts and kind of scoff and act like he knows everything and that usually works out really well for him and all the people involved look at the almost 200,000 people who have passed from this virus that was completely preventable that he knew was dangerous and now we know that he knew that it was dangerous wild um but he looks at the face of these climate scientists after they plead they after you have to watch the interview, but they plead with him like, dude, can we please do something about climate change? Like the world is changing. There's no reason why this side of the United States is on fire. We have a ton, a ton 
of hurricane activity and tropical storm activity that we never had before um, happening in the Gulf Coast and and in the Caribbean. Um, we almost had two hurricanes collide with one another, something that no human has ever documented before. The earth is changing. Things are changing and we need to do something. And rather than, you know, meet that concern of a scientist, a person who would be studying these things and have the data and the research and the knowledge to discuss it, he says, well, science doesn't know. <laughs> I think science knows. I think science knows. You're the same person who says science doesn't know but gets on an airplane. You're the same person that says science doesn't know but you're, you, you take medicine. You're the same person who thinks that science doesn't know, but you turn on the television. Science knows stuff. <laughs> Can we trust science? This being this whole anti-intellectual, anti-fact, anti-knowledge situation that has been brought about majority because of his ego, like because he has a massive ego and he's arrogant as hell and he thinks he knows everything. Um which is proven by how he operates. You know, you don't you don't have the world's foremost people in various fields and look at them in the face and tell them they don't know nothing when you literally don't know anything about the things that they're talking about. Like anyone would sit anyone with good sense would sit there and be like, "You know what? We need to do something because this scientist has presented a very, very, very good case as to why we should do something. And I'm starting to see and feel things. And I'm starting to observe things in my own life. No, 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 no. Of course he doesn't do that. <sighs> Science doesn't know. Oh, and then he tells the scientists that, it quote, it will get cooler. <sighs> We're not talking about the cycles of the seasons, Donald. We're talking about the complete change of the world's climates. You know, we're, we're thinking about raising like water, water levels rising and whole cities being immersed underwater because of the, the, the melting of the, the ice caps. We're thinking about deforestation. We're thinking about the forest fires. We're thinking about the, the hurricanes. We're thinking about how all these things will affect us as human beings, how some of these things are releasing ancient viruses which i was just reading about ancient viruses that people haven't seen in 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 centuries bringing them back like what are we doing <laughs> can we can we can we please everybody just recycle <laughs> can everybody please just recycle can everybody please just get on this climate this climate change situation can we please do the work of restoring our planet back to normal instead of sticking our this is what this president does though he sticks his head in the sand oh covid will go away covid will completely disappear oh um the the forest fires will stop it'll get cooler um these hurricanes will stop you know we've seen hurricanes on hurricane seasons like this before no we haven't you can't stick your head in the sand and pretend that these problems don't exist and then and then get upset when they get exponentially worse and then blame it on People who you perceive as enemies. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. So we will see what happens. Everybody go vote. Finally, for our church announcement segment. 
Cardi B has just filed for divorce from Offset. For people who don't know who either of those people are, Cardi B is a rapper, female rapper. Just came out with a song with Meg Thee Stallion called WAP. A lot of conservatives were talking about it, really irritated about it. Um, she's married to a member of the group called the Migos. The particular member is named Offset. Offset has a pretty sordid history of being unfaithful to Miss Cardi. Like numerous times. Like not once, not twice, numerous times. Um, a few of those times Cardi herself got in trouble because she does what every, um, unfortunately, what every hood woman does and goes fights the girl instead of giving her man hell about it. And I don't know if she gave him hell. She could have probably gave him hell behind closed doors. We don't know. Um, but that's their business. They're married. But what we saw in the public was that she was out here fighting girls that he, he was cheating with. So... That's never good. That's never a good look. Side note, ladies, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. If you're going to be mad at somebody, be mad at the person who made vows to you, okay? These women in the streets don't know you, they don't owe you, and they don't care, okay? So don't fight them. It's a waste of your time, all right? Um, But she's filing for divorce, and there's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter. And as a person who has gone through the process of divorce... Um, a child of parents who've been divorced, watch people get divorces. I don't think I'm a divorce expert, but I will say this from my own experience. Filing for divorce is not the same as being divorced. Okay. There's a procedure. There's an entire procedure one has to go through before one is completely divorced. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is that there's this narrative floating around that all of this is somehow Cardi's fault. Like I heard people saying like, well, a WAP won't keep no man. And, you know, you're talking about like not cooking and not cleaning. But here we are, you know, obviously it's not keeping him. And my problem is, why is the goal to keep a man who does not want to be kept? Can someone, anyone explain that to me? Offset clearly does not want to be kept, hence why he's cheated a ton of times. That's just that. And I don't understand why it's Cardi's fault that he doesn't want to be in this relationship. Because if the shoe was on the other foot, people would say she would, she's everything but a child of God, that she has no self-control, this, that, and the third. But we suddenly... Like when it becomes, when it comes to a man, we suddenly forget that, oh, they too have to have self-control. They too have to govern themselves and their bodies. They too need to get it together. And that sucks. That sucks that we either hold women to such a high standard that they themselves, like we ourselves get the blame when the relationship falls apart. But a man can just drift in and out of people's lives and do the bare minimum and everything is okay. I could say a lot more about that, but I won't. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I am completely annoyed by this whole narrative that it's, Car it's somehow Cardi's fault. Like, divorce happens and it sucks. 
It sucks. It sucks, y'all. It sucks. But the last thing we need to do is look at the person who's been cheated on and ask that person what's wrong with them. Maybe we need to look at the person who wasn't faithful and and say, what's wrong with you? You know? Not airing out my own dirty laundry, but I've been on the I've been on both sides of that. I've been cheated on and I've cheated. You know, like it's not cool for a person to take their own vices out on the person who was just an innocent bystander and really didn't deserve it. Probably didn't deserve it. Definitely didn't deserve it. And I, f- I feel for Cardi. Like, this is her family we're talking about. This is her family. And forget all this record making and money making and stuff like that. When home doesn't feel right, man, I feel like I feel for her. Like I said, her music's not my own cup of tea. But woman to woman, I can support her um, and say, like, I wish you all the best. Whatever the best may mean, whatever the me- the best may be, I wish it for you. And I'm so sorry you have to go through this. I'm so sorry people are so misogynistic and so entrenched in patriarchy that they can't realize that, oh, a woman is allowed her own feelings too. A woman is allowed to feel and want and need and <laughs> Just because her husband steps out doesn't make it her fault. It doesn't make it something wrong with her. It's not an issue about her. It's about him. So that's all I'm going to say on that. All right, that's the church announcements for this week. Let's get to the mess and the message. Hi. Welcome to The Mess and the Message. It's about to get really messy in here because we are talking about a story that I've heard a lot of chatter about but was busy formulating my own thoughts on. So let's get to it. So if we thought that Rachel Dolezal, the former uh, lead of the NAACP, I forget the name of the which chapter it was, Um, If we thought she was an enigma, the woman who pretended to be black um, in order to lead a multicultural, multi-ethnic organization, which she didn't have to do, but she led an entire life pretending to be a black woman, very much was a white woman, just cosplaying. But if we thought that she was the weirdo, the enigma, We were all corrected recently with the revelation of Miss Jessica Krug. For those who don't know, Jessica Krug is a white professor who teaches politics, quote, politics, ideas, and cultural practices in Africa and the African diaspora at George Washington University. She outed herself recently on Medium and outed herself for pretending to be a black woman for the entirety of her professional career. Whew, Lord. All right, here we go. She starts by saying, to an escalating degree over my adult life, I have eschewed, eschewed, that's how you say that word, 
educated people, I'll tell you, eschewed my lived experience as a white Jewish child in suburban Kansas under various assumed identities within a blackness that I had no right to claim. First, North African blackness, then U.S. rooted blackness, then Caribbean rooted Bronx blackness. So basically, she tried on a bunch of wigs to see which one fit. You know, I like this North African one. No, 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 no. I like this. I like this U.S. rooted blackness. You know what? I really like this Caribbean, Caribbean, Bronx, New York style mix blackness. Another cosplayer. She continues. She says, I have not only claimed these identities as my own when I have no had absolutely no right to do so when doing so is the very epitome of violence of thievery and appropriation of the myriad of ways in which non-black people continue to use and abuse black identities and cultures but i have formed intimate relationships with loving compassionate people who have trusted and cared for me when i have deserved neither trust nor caring people have fought together with me and have fought for me and my continued appropriation of black Caribbean identity is not only in the starkest terms wrong, unethical, immoral, anti-black, colonial, but it means that every step I, every step I've taken has gaslighted those whom I love. Beautiful words, (laughs) beautiful words for a person who's done a terrible thing. So while she she outs herself as masquerading as Afro-Latina, calling herself a coward, um, the one thing that she does not do throughout this piece is apologize. She never says sorry. I've read through it several times and I was looking for the apology. I'm like, well, where's the sorry? Is it like in the pretty words? Like, I don't get it. You're just telling me what you did and why it was wrong. You're not telling me. You're not saying, I, I feel bad for doing this thing. Instead, which I don't know why this is a fail safe for white people. Someone's going to have to tell me. She blames it on her mental health. Now, mental health is nothing to mess with. Uh, look back at the last segment where we talked about Kanye West. We're not going to mess with anyone's mental health. And I will not tease a person for having mental health issues. I do not know those struggles. And I want to be supportive. But at the same time, how does mental health make you pretend to be black? And why is that okay? Why is that justification? She said, mental health issues likely explain why I assumed a false identity as a youth and, and why I continued and developed it for so long. Then she goes back and says, but mental health issues can never, will never, um, neither explain nor justify, neither condone nor excuse that in spite of knowing and regularly critiquing any and every non-black person who appropriates from black people, my false identity was crafted entirely from the fabric of black lives. So basically, she says that her mental health, while she has issues, it she can't really fully rely on that one and fall back on that one, which I agree. <laughs> Please stop, like, 
please stop blaming it on your mental health. Like, there's no reason to be racist. <laughs> there's no justification to be racist. There is no, and I said this on um, TikTok and got a lot of crap for it. I said, there is no mental health condition that leads you to be racist. None. None that I've ever heard of. And people are like, well, what about Tourette's? And I'm like, isn't that a neurological issue and not a mental health issue? But even if, like, if you never learn the, the racist vernacular, you can't have, like, a Tourette's episode where you're shouting out the N-word of people. If you never learned it, if it was never in your vernacular, just saying. <sighs> Deeper than that, here's, here's where I'm, I'm hanging my hat. The truth is that Krug immensely benefited from her foray into being an Afro-Latina. Whether it was her accolades, the financial backing from the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, for her book, because she wrote a book, Fugitive Modernities, or that the fact that that book became a finalist for the 2019 Frederick Douglass Book Prize, she's benefited from pretending to be Black. Benefited. Just having a great time. Deeper than that, Krug has done harm to the communities that she's pretended to belong to. Nowhere in her piece is any genuine remorse. Sure, she says, quote, there are no words in any language to express the depth of my remorse, but then again, there shouldn't be words. Words are never the point. But her piece reads more like an admission before the news broke as a way to get ahead of the story because the story was already forthcoming. That's the way it reads. It reads as a way for her to save face, not as an admission of guilt. So you can put all the pretty language and the pretty words into it. But what does it really mean when you're not really sorry, when you're just trying to get ahead of the story? And it, it's just, I'm getting ahead of myself. Imagine having a wealth of knowledge of imperialism and colonialism that Jessica does, being a professor at GW University, and their effects to, as a white woman, be living and teaching them to students in the same season of life as Black Lives Matter, only to be the person who is literally stealing a black life, only to be a person who is literally being a colonizer, only to be a person who is literally benefiting from imperialism and supremacy and privilege. When you try on, like... <laughs> The idea that you can just put on blackness and try it on the way she did. She tried on black American. She tried on North African black. She tried on Caribbean black. She tried on Caribbean um, New Yorker black. She tried on all these different identities and played around with them. And the idea that you can even do that is racist as hell. <laughs> Blackness is not a costume to be paraded around, nor is it is it for trends. You know, this is this is this is like black fishing times a, a million. You know, there's a difference between you know putting on hoops and and bantu knots or or cornrows. Um, and wearing Tim's out and thinking like, you know, you're just being cute and urban and edgy and stuff like that. When when black women do it, you know, 
we still get kicked out of our schools or we don't get the job or we're called ghetto or those things like that. It's only cute when it's on a white girl. There's a difference between that and then it's amplified by the entire life this woman has built for herself using blackness, using blackness. So then I ask, what about all those that she influenced? What about the people through her book? her classes, her lectures, her influence? What about the communities that she's done harm to or, you know, because she pretended to be part of them? What about the opportunities that she took away from actual people of color by pretending to be one? What positions, scholarships, grants, support did she snatch from actual black people through her pretending to be black? I'm thinking about her students, many of them who knew something was wrong but didn't know the full extent. Like I saw on Twitter, there were a ton of tweets where people were commenting about this and discussing it because it was, it it was mind blowing, but it was also like, well, we kind of knew, but we didn't know how to go about it. And we didn't know how, what to say. And then the thing that frustrates me is that she goes on to say, I'm, I wasn't a culture vulture. I'm a culture leech. And I'm like, you don't get to choose what you were. You're, you're, you don't get to tell a community that you stole from to not call you a thief. You don't get to, you don't get to do that. You don't get to dictate the terms of, of, of your thievery to the people that you stole from. More privilege. You see this? And how, how do we, to her recommendation, cancel her? Because she does ask, she does say, I deserve to be canceled. I deserve this. I deserve that. First of all, you don't get to tell us what you deserve for the crime that you've committed. Because this is a crime. (laughs) This is a, this is a crime. I don't know what kind of crime. I haven't thought it out enough yet. But this is criminal at the very least, immoral. <laughs> at the very, very least. How do we cancel her, though? The act of canceling is an element of accountability that is usually reserved for, unre- for the unrepentant, which, you know, let's be, f- let's be frank, she is. Um, but accountability also involves community. How do we cancel a person who does not belong to our community? Whose community does she even belong to? And how... How does that community even activate in the, quote, canceling process? Like, how does that even work? These are the same questions that need to be, that were asked of Rachel Dolezal. Oh, here it goes. Rachel Dolezal, she was the former president of the NAACP Spokane, Washington chapter. She was outed by her own parents in 2015. Jessica Krug outed this year do you know that she missed her own mother's funeral so she could keep up the ruse of this her own mother's funeral so she could continue to pretend to be black so the same questions that we asked of rachel we need to ask of jessica why do white people Often scholars and activists find it so difficult to engage with matters of importance to black people without a masquerade. 
without pretending that you're part of of the community, without throwing on a dashiki randomly, shouting out Harambe. <laughs> Shout out to, uh, goodness gracious, what's the name of that show? Why is that the name of that show escaped me? Oh my gosh, the one with the two little boys, Huey and Riley. Why is the name of the show escaping me? It'll come to me later. You get the point. Shout out to that show. We don't, we, don't, we don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to assume blackness to care about black issues. Why are you unable to, why can't you, why can't you care passionately for people of the black community without being one of them? Why can't you just be white and actively combat, combat anti-blackness? Why can't we do that? Like, Jessica, if you love black culture so much, you as Jessica Krug, not Jessica Bombalera, La Bombalera, who she pretended to be, you as Jessica Krug are good enough to, to come alongside, not necessarily speak for, but if you care about the community, amplify. See, that's the difference. This whole savior versus um savior versus um accomplice mentality accomplices come along to amplify i am here to be the speaker i am here to be the microphone your voice i'm trying to amplify your voice because it's your voice in the fight not mine but i care so i'm here to amplify how can i help you amplify not my own voice your voice right where a savior comes along and wants to rescue the day and then wants to get all the glory afterwards. <laughs> why can't we why why can't you just be white and care about black issues? Why is that so hard? Why is that so difficult? Because there's no stardom? Because you don't get to be the center of the movement? Because you don't get to write the big fancy books about the issue? And win big fancy awards and get big fancy grants and things like that? I don't know. But then do you really care about black issues? Or were you just looking to be the center of attention? I haven't heard anything from George Washington University about the action that they plan to take. Um, But none of the things that she said cleans this up. An admission of guilt does not absolve the actions Krug has done. And no amount of false humility, which is just laden, laden in her peace. No amount of false humility will er- or self calls of self-canceling will erase the damage she has done. She's done damage. I can only imagine being a person of color, a black woman who has engaged with this woman. And I'm telling you, like, she's, she was straight up, like, argumentative and disagreeable with people. People who would call her out or people who would have questions or people who had concerns. She would doubt their own blackness, the blackness of real black people. There were real black people asking about, hey, you know what? This don't feel right. And then after watching some of the videos, she is literally a walking stereotype of an Afro-Latina. And I'm like, is this how you see black women? The way that you're acting right now, the way that you're pretending right now, is this how you see 
black women that were argumentative, that were loud, that were confrontational, that that we we dominate the conversation that is that how you see us? Because that's not how I perform my blackness. Not that I need to perform it. But you're the one pretending to be us. And the way you're performing blackness is offensive. That's why you got called out. (laughs) We're all frustrated. (laughs) We're all frustrated. We all want better. We all want something else to happen. Because this is just astounding and disgusting. And then it leaves us to wonder how many more people are out there pretending to be in our community and they're not in our community. And I don't understand why they would want to be. Like there was a difference. I was listening to um, another conversation and these two women were talking about passing in the black community and how back in a certain time, if you had a certain grade of hair and a certain shade of skin, you could quote pass for white. But that came at the risk of your life. If they found out you were black, passing for white, they would kill you. You would die. But it came with multiple benefits because then you didn't have to worry about all of the all of the ways in which black people were, have been, and continue to be treated. So while I disagree with passing... I kind of get it. Like, I understand why people would do it. I completely disagree with it, but I understand why people would do it. Why would you do this? What, what benefit does it... What benefit comes to a person to pretend to be black? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being black. I love being black. Like, if there is... If, if we get to come back to Earth, which... I don't know if I want to come back at this iteration, but if we, if, if there's an afterlife and we get a chance to be black in the afterlife, I want to be black in the afterlife. I love my culture. I love my heritage. And that's with the African-American understanding of my culture, because there's still so much I have to learn. There's still so much I will never know simply because of being born in this country and how much of it was stripped from us. But I don't understand why a white Jewish woman from Kansas City would put on a farce to pretend to be black. Like if you had advocacy, if you really had advocacy in mind, if you sincerely had advocacy in mind, you could have just done advocacy as a white woman. And how much more powerful would that have been to say, hey, I'm a white woman. I can go into certain rooms with certain conversations that maybe certain black people can't get to, but I'm invited because I'm a white woman and I can help sway the thoughts of people who have only ever seen people who are white be a certain way or think a certain way about black people and about blackness. And I can change that and I can make things better. That's advocacy. I don't, I don't know y'all. I'm really, really frustrated. I haven't heard anything from, um, about this story since the story broke. But I will keep you guys posted because 
I'm frustrated because I feel two ways about this. One, she should be fired. GW should be just fire her. And that's that. Remove her tenure. Fire her. The Frederick Douglass Award needs to be taken away from her. Um, any grants or anything like that, y'all need to figure out litigation <laughs> because she straight up lied to you. But then I feel another way because I'm like, well, damn, I know a whole bunch of news outlets who would love to hear this story. And then she could write another book about her foray into blackness. And that book could do really, really well. She could go on to do speaking engagements and a Netflix special. We saw all this with Rachel, who is apparently doing fine. So even though she's a cultural joke to us, she's doing fine. So I feel several ways about it. And I hope, I hope that there can be some form of justice to those who in academia, who, who feel some type of way about this, who had opportunities taken away from them, who had to watch this woman speak and, and lie who to her students who had to, go at it with her and defend their own blackness against like a person who was never even part of our community. Yeah. And that's all I have to say on this issue. All right, let's get to the wrap-up rant and blacks in the deep end. Welcome to the wrap-up rant and blacks in the deep end. Let's get to the rant first. This one goes out to one skip Bayless. For those who don't know, Skip Bayless um, has a show. He talks a lot about um, sports on the show. Uh, the show is called Undisputed. It's with Shannon Sharp. Um, and the sports fans are used to Skip's antics by now. His poorly contrived opinions, um, he dares to call a hot take. Um, but this one went really far. So last week, on the day of International Suicide Prevention Day, Bayless hit an all-time low. Bayless brutally, and when I say brutally, I mean brutally, castigated Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott for his admission of his own mental health battles. So in, I believe the episode has aired, but it's called In-Depth with Graham Basinger. Dak talks about how he dealt with depression and how he began to experience anxiety at the early stages of the coronavirus shutdown, which, relatable. And then he had to endure all of the emotions that comes with losing a loved one and losing a loved one to suicide. His older brother, Jace, passed. And it took him to an emotional place, a different emotional place that he, he was unfamiliar with. And he just talked about his struggles. Rather than being understanding as any person would be, Skip Bayless took this as a great time to use those poorly contrived uh, opinions that he dares to think they're a hot take and actually just makes him look like an asshole. And he said to his co-host, I have a deep Compassion for clinical depression. But when it comes to the quarterback of an NFL team, you, talking directly to Shannon Sharp, know this better than I do. It's, it's the ultimate leadership position in sports. Am I right about that? And he continues. 
You are the commander of an entire franchise, and they're all looking to you to be their CEO, to be in charge of their football team. Because of that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffer from depression early in COVID to the point I couldn't even go out, go to work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. The sport that you play, it's dog eat dog. It is no compassion, no quarter given on the no quarter given on the football field. If you reveal publicly any little weakness, it can affect your team's ability to be able, I'm sorry, to believe in you in the toughest spots, and it can definitely encourage others on the other side to come after you. Skip, you're an asshole. <laughs> and here's why. Nowhere in this interview did Dak say or did we observe anything about football. Before he's a football player, Dak Prescott is a human being. A human being with a heart, a mind, a soul. You see him as a cash cow, as as a big black brute who can knock over people and lead a team. Rather, as opposed to a human being. You wouldn't say this if Tom Brady came out and said it. You wouldn't say this if any other white quarterback had said it. But because this is a black man being really open and honest and raw and authentic about mental health issues, which black people, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about our, our, our we're lagging behind on the mental health front. And we can do so much better. And we need to encourage each other to do better. I digress. Skip Bayless, back to you. How dare you take this moment of bravery, the bravery that was displayed by Dak Prescott, where he's admitting to depression, to anxiety, and, and how his brother's passing, sudden passing, took him to a place emotionally that he was not prepared for and turn it into a shut up and dribble. You're no better than Laura Ingram in that. This man was courageous to share that, to share his hurts, to share the places where he was vulnerable, to share the places that, that he he felt less than powerful, less than comfortable. And that was extremely brave and extremely human. And who knows who else could have seen this and felt as empowered, as emboldened and brave. I, I, I just, it takes courage to share the deep hurts and broken places within our hearts, the internal battles that we all fight. Dak was brave enough to do that, to share those to the public, which has with no doubt Definitely has helped someone. It helped me. And I'm not struggling with half of those issues. Dak may be a quarterback for a football team, but like I said, Dak is a human first. He is not only allowed, but justified to not just possess these feelings and emotions, especially given the year that he's had. To reduce his feelings in 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 a way that just... <laughs> Ugh, it's just gross and just 
it's 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 concerning how these wealthy white people manage to reduce the humanity of black folk despite their real issues i i wonder i wonder if skip could have said these same comments to any other white player let alone a white quarterback Ugh, i'm just so frustrated i'm just so frustrated at the end of the day football is a sport it exists for entertainment Dak Prescott is a human, transcendent of the sport. Just like any person with any job, we are not our occupations. We are human beings first. And I want to shout out and commend him. And I pray, I pray so many other men, especially black men, see this and take this as an opportunity to deal with their emotional hurt, to learn that you don't, you don't have to have two modes. You don't have to have chill and pissed off. You can actually have emotions. Like, you're, it's okay to be emotional. That's a human thing. That is a human thing. I'm proud of Dak for opening up the way he has. I'm excited. And I, I hope that this, this leads to more black men feeling empowered to share. And I hope that Dak ignores the voices of people like Skip Bayless, who are just n- seething in toxicity. It's just... <laughs> I hope Dak finds healing and I hope he finds community from this. That was my first rant. My second rant goes out to, I forget the name of the teams, but y'all have heard this story by now. Two teams went to go play football. This is not in my notes, but this is going off the cuff. Two teams went to go play football, National Football League, opening football game. And before the anthem, before the game, All the players went out to the field, coaches, everybody, linked arms, linked arms before any of that stuff that, you know, the trumpets and conservatives and closeted racists complain about and not so closeted racists to honor the lives of fallen people in the fight for injustice. And rather than having compassion Rather than being kind, rather than just ignoring it and going on and get your hot dog or whatever you do at the football game, this particular audience who was watching booed these teams. They weren't just booing the black players. They were booing the teams, the overall teams, both of them. And how these young men and not so young men didn't walk off the field, storm off the field and say, you know what? Forget your game. Enjoy your night. Like we're going home because we're, we're, this, is, this is what we're not going to have to deal with. I don't know because I would have stormed completely off the field. Like, yo, I'm done. I'm done until they can see me as human being. I'm not entertaining them because it seems like that's all people want us to do is entertain, dance, shine, smile real big for them play the sports, play the music, entertain them. And I got a lot of flack for saying, if they can't handle you standing up for your black life, they don't deserve your black excellence. Now, this is not the only way that we black people are excellent. But these athletes are excellent. They are. And if if people can't handle them stepping up and saying, you know what, this is going on in our community... Um, this is going on with our people. This isn't right. This is the moment that we're in. 
This is the stuff of history books. If people can't handle that, I don't know what to tell you. How are y'all still failing an open note test? That's all this is. We've seen what happens with, you know, reconstruction. We've seen what happens with Jim Crow. We've seen what happens with civil rights. And y'all out here still failing this same test. When you could be on the side of the winning team and you're still choosing to fail. It's embarrassing. Do better. I wish a bunch of inconveniences on every person who booed. Not enough to harm them physically, but enough to just inconvenience them till they make it right, till they make amends. So that's Blacks in the... I'm sorry, that's wrap-up rant. Let's go to Blacks in the Deep End. Uh, Shout out to Beyonce. So on her birthday, she decided through her foundation, Bay Good, or Be Good, Bay Good, Be Good, either one, it's all good. Uh, to donate $1 million to assist Black-owned businesses in the midst of the pandemic. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like, I just, I love how we are all just, for those of us who are part of the community, making the change and doing the things that we have to do to make sure that our community stays empowered, to make sure our community stays encouraged, to make sure our community stays, just period. Um, I love the community that's come out of this. I hate that it took a tragedy to do it, but I love the results, I guess. I don't know. I feel icky saying it, but you get the point. Um, and that is this week's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Don't forget to leave us a review. Me, me by myself, a review. <laughs> Um, and don't forget that you can support this show on Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Whitney Elise. Um, I'll have the link in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for your support. Um, I say that I'm gonna have a funny one next week and I never know. <laughs> I never know. I want to have a funny show. I want to go back to the lighthearted, goofy, cultural, funny things that we've talked about. Um, and we'll just see. Why don't, I, why don't I just prepare for a funny show and hope for the best? Maybe next week the news cycle will be lighter. But until then, I hope you all are staying safe. I hope you all are staying healthy. I hope you all are staying well. I hope you all are staying well paid, well rested, well fed. Um, and until next time we talk, peace, y'all.